You can have fun at church, y'all. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> you ain't got to go to the bars and hang out. No, you can have fun right in service. Amen. <laughs> Would you stand with me, please? Everyone, God bless you. Thank you. Let's, let's jump right into the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray. Our Heavenly Father, for the grace and the glory and the mercy and the kindness of the King. We, are, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your righteousness and your love. Be with us today uh, and this word. You have blessed us tremendously by just being able to be in your presence. Today we thank you for those that are here worshiping the, the praise team, the band, those that have come distances to be with the saints of God. We're grateful to you, and we don't take it for granted, but oh, we pause in this time to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're grateful, Lord, to you. Thank you for Minister Small. Thank you for Pastor Pam and the ministry. We pray today that you will bless them abundantly. Keep everyone today. Those that are sick, we lift up. We lift up Ross and the family. Give travel and mercy. Comfort the heart in the name of Jesus. All those who, Lord, provide a service to the ministry, to the body of Christ. Lord, as we... Lord, hear the word of God. We pray today that we will have open ears to take in and hearts what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. For those that are on the phone, God bless you, Anita. Anita, I got to tell, I got to, I got to tell on you, Anita. Anita called me. She sent me a text yesterday and she says, Pastor, would you please be sure, um, to make sure that you call me at the start of rate of the uh, service? And I said, okay. Lo and behold, I got a text a couple of hours later. She said, oh, Pastor, I'm sorry. I thought it was Sunday today. It was Saturday. So, <laughs> so she was waiting for my call. <laughs> but she's on right now, so she just had to wait a little bit. <laughs> today we pick up with the message, The Work on the Temple Begins Part 2. The Work on the Temple Begins Part 2. For those who have not been here, been sick, home, I know you've been sick. God bless. Um, let me say this. When your body suffer, when you have struggles in your body, it lets you know you're in the land of the living one. And it also lets you know that God's strength is not weakened with our physical body. He remains strong. He remains powerful. And our bodies, when we think about our bodies, the fact that they're frail, that God's, his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. He's powerful. He doesn't change. And even though we may go through things, God does not change. He's powerful. He can carry you through. And so we thank God that he has allowed us to be able to experience sickness, to get better. And I tell you this, when we get better, we really appreciate our health. We really appreciate having good health. I tell you, when, when, when your foot's hurting and your back's hurting, when it's not Oh, my goodness. You say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. The work on the temple begins, part two. I'm going to read Haggai chapter two, verses one through five. And then I'm going to read some other passages in the message. But this is how it reads in Haggai chapter two, verses one through five. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, 
the high priest and to all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong. All you people of the land, declares the Lord, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. That was Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. When God moves in ways that are unexpected, if we are obedient to him, we gain the benefits Remember this, you are the beneficiary of God's giftings and blessings. Pressing past the 16 plus years when the children of Israel, the remnant, had come from Babylon, they had been stopped for about 16 years of building the temple because of opposition. There were those who were their enemies who said, no, we don't want this work to begin And so Cyrus had required that they stop. And it's not Cyrus, but another king had ordered that they stop building. The work on the temple has begun, and the people can trust the faithfulness of God. It is with the message that has come from Haggai that has stirred Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant of the people to build. If you recall, the word of the Lord came to the people. They weren't in a place to be blessed by God. They should have rebuilt the temple. And rather than building the temple, the Bible said they had built their own houses. They had to work on their own places and let the temple of God go. We know that in chapter number two, Haggai begins... And has a message of judgment in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, he has a word of blessing for them. When you look at the Bible, oftentimes when the Bible speaks of judgment, you will have chapters of judgment. But in this short book, there was such a quick turnaround by the people that the Lord responded and said, Because you've done this, I'm going to be with you. Have you ever told your parents when you were raised, or your aunt, whoever raised you, that you were going to do better when you got in trouble? Have you ever, did you ever say, I'm going to do it, I won't do it again? Do you, and kind of did this too? Because you know what to get spanked. I won't do it, I won't do it. And you promised and promised, and lo and behold, you did it again? Have you ever done that? Have you ever made promises with good intent, but you failed? You could not keep your promise. Well, let me tell you this. God is the God who keeps his promise. (laughs) If you didn't know it, he keeps his promise. There's a tenderness from God after he had given the people a strong rebuke. In chapter 2, it begins just like chapter 1. And it is like in this chapter where the Lord says, Haggai, speak to Zerubbabel and speak to Joshua. But guess what? The children were left out 
of that first verse. He told the leaders, speak to them and you tell them. It was a matter of judgment. But when you look at chapter 2, the Lord includes all of the people, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and he also includes the people, telling them, I'm with you. Be strong. It is in the second year of Darius the king. Darius the king. The king of the Medes and the Persians who had given instructions after Cyrus had given instructions for the people to return. Darius comes some years later in 522 B.C. and tells the people they can rebuild. Remember Cyrus reigned on the throne and then he went off the throne off the scene and his son came to the throne. For eight years he reigned. And there was a small interlude with another person, but in 522, Darius comes to the throne and he reinstitutes the charge of building the temple after a rebuke. Let me tell you this. If you ever become complacent, if you ever become a person that just kind of sits down after you have been motivated, do you know that it oftentimes takes a rebuke or a strong command from a person to get you going again? It, it oftentimes takes another person that may say, what are you doing? Well, why did you stop? You need to keep moving. Do you not know that when we would have many revivals here, that a preacher from back east could come and say the same thing that the pastor had been saying, and the people hear the evangelist, but not the preacher. That's been here. He said, oh, they, we've never heard that before. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a person, why? Because the evangelist can come, and he's going to boil the town. He's gone. He's leaving. It takes sometimes a motivation. And so revivals is really to kind of help people to do what they should have been doing all along. It presses you back into action. And the Lord now has pressed the people back into action. And there is, there is a response by the people. It was in the second year of Darius the king, 520 B.C., where they began to build the temple after having over 16 years of no building, of having the work having stopped. The message is said to have been given by Haggai in the second chapter on October 17th, 520 B.C., the 21st day of the 7th month, the month Tishri. This was the seventh day of the feast Sukkot, Sukkot, the feast of booths, one of the seven feasts that the Lord instituted. This is the month that the message came to the people on the last day of this feast. It is the feast of booths when the Lord had instructed the children of Israel that they were to hold various feasts in honor of him and what he had done was to commemorate their wilderness dwellings and temporary shelters. The booths that they were to live in for a week, that first day was a day where no work was done, a day that was set aside, and then that eighth day would be a day set aside. Isn't it interesting how the Lord comes and gives messages at a time that corresponds to the things that he had already laid out in his word? 
If the people did not hear the prophet, then they did not hear God. You don't hear the preacher, the prophet, you may not be hearing God. You know, our ears can sometimes be attuned to a lot of different stuff. Sometimes you may be holding a conversation and there may be several things going on. But the moment you hear your name, all of a sudden your attention goes. What's that? What's that? You are attuned to certain things. And you don't even hear the conversation, but something sparked. Your name was called. And all of a sudden, your ears perk up and you go over here in the conversation. Well, let me tell you this. When the Lord speaks, your ears ought to perk up. Don't, don't, don't ignore the Lord. Don't, don't keep on with your conversation. Stop. L- Lord, did you call me? <laughs> see, see, there are times when the Lord calls and we don't hear, or like we used to do as kids, we, kids, we act like we don't hear. We hear. We just don't want to respond. So if the people didn't hear the prophets... They weren't hearing God. Because why? The Lord was speaking through the prophets to the people. It's interesting how God would work this out. And then the people would respond, and then the prophet would take the response of the people back to God. I just get a kick out of sometimes. Y'all got to read the story. I just get a kick when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, and the Lord told Moses, come upon the mountain to see me. And Moses went up to that mountain to see the Lord. He had already instructed the people, now don't come to the mountain. Don't even touch the mountain. Because the Lord said, don't touch, don't come up the mountain. Moses gets up that mountain. Whoa! Tired. Lord, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. Lord speaks. Moses, go back down that mountain and tell the people don't come up here. Moses looks around. Pardon me, Lord. <laughs> I just came up the mountain. You told me that I told the people. I'm tired. Go back down and tell those people, don't come up this mountain unless I break out against them. <laughs> there go Moses, back down the mountain. And when you tell them, then come on back up here again. <laughs> I think I got a sense of humor. <laughs> but what's, what's being said? You see, the people heard what Moses said, but they had no mind to obey. They said, ooh, there's God. Y'all want to go see? (laughs) We have to be careful to obey the word of the Lord that's spoken often through the prophet. In verses 2 and 3, it says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who was left among you who saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong. What's happening here? There is a comparison of the temple that had been destroyed in 586 B.C. Solomon's temple that had been built... Uh, over four centuries before this time, the, the temple had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. 
He had removed the vessels. Now Darius had given permission when the people returned, as we're reading, had returned to the temple. He gave them the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken to replace or to put back in the temple that they were going to rebuild. And what Haggai brings to the people, he says to them, Who is left among you? Who of the remnant? How many of you that have come back from captivity saw the house in its former glory. Remember the temple that Solomon built. How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? There was a group of people that were older that recalled the beauty of the temple that had been built. While this rebuilt temple structure was and would be no comparison to the former temple in appearance, remember this, they would have the same God with them. Sometimes we look and see how something may be broken down, how something does not seem the same, and we sometimes make the mistake as if God is no longer there or if God has changed. Let me tell you something. It makes no difference your circumstances, what you're seeing, the building of our body that may be breaking down. God is still there. He is still the same God. And so what Haggai does, he causes the people that remember, take a look. It is a rhetorical question. It is a question where the answer is implied in just the way the question is phrased. Do you remember? He is saying there is no comparison in the beauty of that temple. Get this. The temple that was dedicated by Solomon was also in that seventh month. That the dedication of the temple took place. And here it is again, the seventh month with this temple. He says, do you remember the house? That word house is singular. Representing the house from Solomon and representing the house right now that is being rebuilt. Ezra chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read this. Ezra 3, 12 and 13. I'm going to be soon closing just because of the time. Ezra 3, this is how it reads. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud with joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. Ezra and Haggai they, they ministered at the same, around the same time. They came back together. This description here as the foundation is being laid, there are those who remembered what the first temple looked like. And some of them are crying because it's not the same. But there are those who don't have that experience who are shouting for joy because the foundation of the temple has been laid. And it was a loud cry. Happiness as well as sorrow. You know you can cry from being happy and sad. You can experience both. There can be sorrow and and, and when we cry there's sorrow. And at the same time there could be joy. 
because of all that God has done. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, I'm going to read that, but I want to first read verses 4 through 6 back in Haggai. And it says this, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Give me three minutes and I'm going to be done for today. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says, Be strong and courageous. This is the word that the Lord had given to Joshua as Moses' leader has died and gone off the sea. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? The third time, be strong and courageous. I think the Lord wants him to be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One final verse I'm going to read for today. In Jeremiah 33, our verses 19 through 21a. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. The Lord says, when I make a promise... I know how to keep it. I told the son what time to get up in the morning. I told the son what time to set. And then I put it into place perpetually until I come back. Now, if you can break my covenant with the nature, then you can break my covenant with my son. David won't have a son. Jesus to be on the throne. Well, I have not seen anybody yet. I have not seen those who say the earth is going to be destroyed by global warming. They've been standing for years. God says that I have established my covenant (laughs) with the night and with the day. And let me tell you this. The sun always comes up on time. It didn't say, oh, Lord, I forgot God to get up today. So he's going to stay dark all day. I ain't talking about Alaska when you got those certain seasons. You got three months of sunlight, don't know when to go to bed. But the Lord is saying that he's put a system in place and I can be trusted. Here we have these objects here, the sun. He says, man, I know how to keep my promises. If you right now are fretting because you're saying, what am I going to do? Trust the Lord. If God's made a promise to you, he knows how to keep it and carry it out. Our Heavenly Father, today, in this place, we want you to know that we trust you. Everyone may not be in the same place as trust, but Lord, I trust you. 
And we are praying that you will help people, your children that have said yes to the will of God, that they may know you can be trusted without fail, no matter what it looks like. You are God. Just as you left the remnant know and Zerubbabel and Joshua, build the temple, I'm with you. Oh, it may not look like the first, but I tell you this, I'm going to bring more glory to this temple than even the first. <laughs> oh, how great is the king. And today we are grateful to you that we can move forward in the Lord. We can trust you completely. We love you, we honor you, we bless you and magnify you. In the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus, amen, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise and honor who he is. In order to get to heaven, you've got to say yes to Jesus. There's only one way to God, and that is through his son. You may have some questions, come and see me. The Lord has already provided a way. He's made a covenant. He's made an agreement. And he knows how to carry it out. 